Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Our children and young people need to be reminded in this day and hour. Again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Amen. I, uh, I have a daughter, as many of you know who is now 21 years old, which doesn't seem right, but it's true. And uh, you guys smile and grin, but Jaylene will be 21 tomorrow, and Brother Rigo is going to have to be praying to keep men off of her. It just happens in a moment. And uh, oftentimes, as her dad, I, I felt the need and a responsibility to express to her how beautiful she was and still is and how beautiful God has made her to express to her how precious she was in my sight and in his. Because here's what happens in our young people, especially oftentimes in our young ladies, maybe more so than our young men. They come to a point in life where they start getting told by the world what they should look like. I've asked, I've asked dads of, of girls along the journey sometimes. I think I did this one time with Brother TJ in Dallas maybe. A few years back, even in Union Gap, I think is where it was. I said, at what point does your daughter no longer become beautiful? At what point does that change to where now she needs to start looking to the ways of the world to do things to change the way God made her so that she's beautiful now? Who defines beauty? A question for you. Does God define beauty or does cosmopolitan define beauty? I don't know where that came from. Does God define beauty or does Hollywood define beauty? We have to determine those things because without even realizing it, we start going, and it's a deception of the enemy. He wants us to find fault with how God made us. And so then, rather than looking to God, our true Father, to affirm the beauty with which he's designed us and made us, we look to the world, for, and the world gives us a false idea of what it means to be beautiful. And then we fall into this trap of judging people based on the world's measure of beautiful. There wasn't a young person or child up here this morning that was anything less than beautiful. I travel every once in a while, and I'll tell people, and you guys have probably heard me say it here, I'll say, you know, you guys got some good-looking kids, but we have the most beautiful kids I've ever seen in any church I've ever been. It's true. It, isn't it true, Sister Vanessa? 
Amen. See, we have the most beautiful kids. <laughs> she said hers are the most. We, we have the most beautiful kids of anywhere I've ever been. And I've been places where there's some ugly ones. No, I, no I'm thankful for our children. Mom, Dad, your kids need to hear that from you. Grandma's, Grandpa's in the room. They need to hear that from you. I remember, t- I'm trying to go over here, but I'm just stuck right here for a minute. I remember times with my daughter. I would, I would pull her close. She still lets me every once in a while. I would take her hair in my hands and I'd pull it around in front of her and let her see it. And I'd tell her how beautiful that was, this covering that God gave her and what it meant to her. And I'd make her make some commitments to me about it as her father. An expression, what was I doing? I was affirming to her how God made her. Amen? So we got to do that. Praise God. You didn't expect that on Easter, I know, but there you have it. Amen. And if you're an adult, and most of us in this room are now, God made you beautiful too. I saw Rigo and I thought for a second. No, he did. He hasn't messing with you, man. I love my brother very much. He made it, he made you beautiful. The word that I shared with them is true of you, too. It's true of you, too. You're not flawed. If there's something that's different in you than somebody else, that's not a flaw. That's God's perfect design. Amen? We need to know that. We understand that. I, uh, I, I want to take... I get in trouble when I say this. I want to take just a minute in the word. <laughs> and I want to turn it to Brother Flowers. Uh... The Lord would not let me leave this this morning. I woke up with it in my spirit. and I need to share it with you, and we'll probably go a lot deeper at another time. But I feel a responsibility to the Word and to the Lord this morning. And to you. Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter 4 is an interesting place in Scripture. We find some disciples who had been used of the Lord to heal a man in Acts chapter 3. They saw him at the gate called Beautiful. They passed by the lame man. He asked for alms, and Peter and John said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The Scripture says they took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he went with them, leaping and dancing and praising God into the temple. So that happened at the beginning of Acts chapter number 3. And so that brought quite an uproar. Right? Because everybody recognized the dude. It's like, that's, I don't know what his name was. That's him though. We, I mean, we, how did they know? Because everybody that went in and out of the temple saw him there. And he was there every day because the scripture said there was this man whom they, I don't know who they are, but thank God for they, they laid him daily at the gate. And so everybody that went in and out of the temple knew him, right? He was recognizable to him, but they knew him as a lame man, not as a man that could walk and leap and dance and praise God. And so needless to say, Peter and John and this man had people's attention. Fair statement. 
You met somebody day in and day out, and you realize they couldn't walk, and then you see them one day, and they're not walking. They're jumping, dancing, and leaping. You realize something happened. And what's the first thing you want to know? Who did it? How'd this happen? What took place? Right? So that's what happened. And so uh, everybody's pretty worked up about all this. All this talk's going on, and, and Peter declares in chapter 3, you know, don't think this is some strange thing, you know, and into chapter 4, they're having this dialogue about all this with people and scribes and Pharisees and religious ones and just common people in the temple. They're having all this conversation, and he tells them, hey, it's not, don't look on us as though by our own power we did this, but it was by the Lord Jesus Christ that this man stands here before you whole. Now, when they said that and they declared it was by the name of Jesus, all of a sudden there was some problem with tradition, traditional religious leaders because they had tried to get rid of Jesus, as we know, by crucifying him and burying him. But, of course, he rose again. And now the disciples are doing these miracles at the hand of God. And so the traditional leaders of the day, religious leaders, are stirred up because now they're preaching and teaching the power in the name of Jesus Christ. That's Acts chapter 3 and into chapter 4. Well, it gets to the point where finally they take Peter and John and they're not very kind to them. They do unkind things. You can read Acts chapter 4. And so now jump all the way through. They've let them go. And uh, they threatened them as some things they did to them. And they told them, you know, you better not speak about this Jesus and let them go. So verse 23, that's where I want to pick up. Now you got the background really quick. Saved you reading two and a half chapters. And being let go, Peter and John now let go after all this threatening from the religious leaders. They went to their own company. That would be like if Brother Lewis and Brother Raphael had been used of God to do some great miracle and then the people threatened them and then finally they got let go they came back to us and started talking to us and telling us about what happened that's their own company all right they went to their own company and what did they do they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them hey we got threatened we got told this we got right now here's what the company did verse 24 and when they heard that They lifted up their voice to God. They started to pray with one accord. And watch what they prayed. They just got threatened. Here's what they prayed. Lord, you are God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together. Against the Lord. He's talking about the Roman rule of the day and religious leaders. Kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed. Now they're naming those that stood up against him. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, the people of Israel were gathered together. Verse 28, this is important. All these religious leaders and all these political leaders of the day have risen up against Christ. But this is an important thing to note. They're praying for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. 
In other words, even though the religious leaders and the political leaders were opposing the work of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, it's made manifest to the church, they understand because they're praying it, that all of this opposition that brought about the events of the day was done and determined beforehand by Christ so that it couldn't have been done had it not been part of his plan. Is that what it says? To do whatever your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. They were just pawns in the hand of God. He holds the hearts of kings in his hand to turn them whithersoever he will, Proverbs tells us. Verse 29, they're still praying. Now watch, their prayers change. They've praised God. They've acknowledged his sovereignty. Now they're, now they're getting ready to, they're transitioning. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Now, this is the point where we start saying, and Lord, please protect us, lest they do something terrible to us like they've threatened. But that's not what they said. Is it? They said, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Do you realize what just happened there? They said, this is probably going to get harder before it gets easier. And Lord, it would be easy in our humanity to back down because of their threats and out of fear. But if you look at that word in the Amplified, it says, Grant unto thy bond slaves that with fearless confidence we may declare your word. Keep going, verse 30. How are you going to do that, Lord? By stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Verse 32, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Verse 33, watch this. And with... Great power. Everybody say great power. Remember what they prayed? By stretching forth thy holy hand to heal. And that signs and wonders would be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And with great power. What did they do? Gave the apostles witness. Of the resurrection. Of the Lord Jesus. And great grace. Was upon them all. Here's what I would submit to you today. The design and the desire of God. For every single one of us. Is not that we would. Set aside a day to celebrate his resurrection. The design and the desire of God. Is right here. Is that with great power. We would give witness. Of his resurrection.
What does that even look like? I think it looks exactly like what they prayed. By stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders would be done by the name of thy child Jesus. And when we start living and walking in the power of the resurrection, that's what happens. And we give witness to his resurrection, not by saying, hey, there's an empty tomb over there in Israel. But by saying, how do I know he's alive? How can I show you and help you understand he's alive? Because he lives in me. And the work that he did when he was walking the earth in human form, he now does through my life and your life as a child of God, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's a manifestation of the power and the glory of God. And it gives witness to his resurrection. That he's still alive. But he's alive in me and alive in you. The Lord wants to use you and I to give witness to the power of his resurrection. He doesn't want us to just gather together and celebrate it. He wants us to live each day giving witness to the power of it. Amen. Why don't you talk to him right now? I'm asking Brother Flowers to come. In the name of Jesus, that we would give witness, Father. By your grace. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's continue to talk to the Lord for a minute. Jesus, your presence is here. God, your spirit is here right now. I want it to minister to me, O Lord. I want it to accomplish its purpose in me. Lord, my spirit is open to you and what you want to do and say and speak. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me be a witness to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Stay right there at Acts chapter 4. I want, to, I want you to read verse 26 again. It says the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Let that sink in for just a minute and figure out who it is. That means to you that that scripture is talking about. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. And I'm just mentioning that because to me, most often in Scripture, when I see this and hear this and think this, the word Lord, I think Jesus, Jesus Christ, the man, because that's how many of his disciples referred to him as Lord. It says, Lord and his Christ. So if you're not careful, you could, you could think we're talking about multiple people there. Because their rulers are against the Lord and his Christ. That's not two people. It's not two parties. But it's the Lord and the Lord as Christ. And the next verse clarifies it even further. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, 
whom thou hast anointed. So we got him gathered against the Lord, we got him gathered against his Christ, and we got him gathered against the holy child Jesus who was anointed. And that's not three. We're still talking about him, who they were gathered against. That's why we can say, Lord Jesus Christ. And when I say Lord Jesus Christ, that's who I'm talking about. The Lord Jesus Christ. I just wanted, I just wanted to make mention of that. Because it's helpful to me to see when I, when I see in Scripture verses that affirm to me who I believe he is, what I believe he is. He, a few days ago, a few weeks ago, I guess it was, I felt the Lord just ask me, do you even know what it means to call me Christ? And I thought, well, maybe not if you're going to put me on the spot like this. Um, I know it's one of those good words, calling you Christ, but what it really means, and as that scripture said, the holy child Jesus who was anointed, Christ means anointed, the anointed and chosen one. So now when I see Christ, and, and I actually thought about this because it's in Matthew chapter 1 when it's going through and listing his lineage, and so-and-so was this one and begat this one, who was the father of this one. And you get down to Joseph, it says, Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, who begat Jesus, who is called the Christ. Okay, so there's only one who is called the Christ. I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to stay with me. There's only one who's called the Christ. It doesn't take long into the ministry of Jesus on the earth to get to where he himself acknowledges himself as that Christ. It happens when he's talking to the woman at the well. And she says, we know that when Messiah has come, he's going to teach us this and this and this. And he very plainly says, I am he. He's not holding any punches there. He's not trying to make something difficult there. He's actually just trying to help this lady. You're looking for me. Here I am. I am the Messiah. The Holy One, the Chosen One, the Christ. Now, I find it very interesting. He... To, to, from what I've found and, and been able to study it so far, he, called, he acknowledges that he is the Messiah, the Christ. But the man, Jesus Christ, there is a term that he never used to refer to himself as, and that word is king. The man, Jesus Christ, didn't ever go up to someone and say, I am your king. Me, that's me, the king. He doesn't do that. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read all the way through this, I don't think. But in John chapter 18, 
is where we pick up much of this story. You know, Friday, I was uh, talking to my kids. I said, today's Good Friday. You know why they call it Good Friday? Why, Why we celebrate this as Good Friday? And I said, well, that's because it's, it's representative of the day that Jesus was crucified. And like probably a lot of kids would say, they said, why do they call that good? That's not a good day. That's, that's, that's a bad Friday. But this, this passage and leading up to it are some of the things uh, that take place here. I want, to, I want you to look at this. John chapter 18, we'll, we'll start at verse 31. I'll try to move swiftly through this. John chapter 18, verse 31. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It's not lawful for us to put any man to death. So, no, we're not going to take him back and give him a slap on the wrist or make him pay a fine. We want him to be put to death. But it's just not lawful for us to put any man to death. But we want to put him to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell tell it thee of me? So Pilate comes up to Jesus, where he's being detained, and says, Pilate is 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 a man of the law, okay? He's an official, government official here. He knows that by the Jews telling Pilate, They want to put Jesus to death. That means he did something that, according to their law, is punishable by death, which in this case is saying that he is the Son of God, equating himself, in their eyes, to God, even saying, yes, he does say that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God. So Pilate goes to him and says, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, Where did you get that? I never once said To anyone, I am the king of the Jews. I know that's what they think of me. They think that I'm trying to say that I am the king of the Jews. Pilate says, am I a Jew? Rhetorically, because the answer is no, Pilate is not a Jew. Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, my kingdom. Okay, hang on. My kingdom. So, yes, you're saying that you are a king. My kingdom. But watch what he says. Uh, He's telling them, this is my answer to your question. Am I the king of the Jews? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. So I'm a king. I've got servants. 
I have, or as we would call them, subjects. And if, they, if, I, if, if I was a, their earthly king on this world, they, no right subject or servant would allow their king to just be taken and delivered over without some kind of a fight. So he's saying, my kingdom is not of this world. My servants know this because they're not even fighting the fact that I'm being turned over to you. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. I wish, if I was Pilate around this time, I'd start, I, I would say, okay, give me yes or no answers. Some of, I don't know if any of you follow the news. I usually don't. I did hear a, a, a hearing a while back. I don't even remember who it was or what it was about, but that was, that was the gist of it. Give me a yes or no answer. Are you a king? My kingdom is not of this world. Wait, nope, nope, hang on. Are you a king? Here's why I was born, to tell the truth. Are you a king? Yes or no? My servants hear my voice. They know the truth. Verse 38, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover, which was this time. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Watch, that's very interesting. They, they say to Pilate, he's the, he says he's the king of the Jews. He goes to Jesus and says, do you say that you're the king of the Jews? Jesus says what he said that we read. He comes back to them and says, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Then they cried, no, don't give us him. Give us Barabbas. Look at chapter 19. Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. And they said, hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate, therefore, went forth again, saying unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. If Jesus had said, yes, I am the king of the Jews, then Pilate could have said, okay, I find fault in you. And you deserve every bit of this, because that's their rule, and you can't say that. Jesus didn't say that. Verse 5, then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto him, behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Verse 
Look at verse 10. Pilate says unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus says, No, you don't. You could not have power against me. Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth, oh, watch that. Jesus is not laying blame on Pilate at all here. He that delivered me unto you is the one who's at fault. You think you have power and you're just exercising that power. To crucify me. You think. Pilate's getting angry at this point. Because he's saying. I have the power to put you to death. Why don't you just speak for yourself. So I can step in and intervene on your behalf. And Jesus says. You don't have the power. We're here. I know where this is going. I see where this is headed. But Pilate. This is not your decision. It's not your choice. And it's not your fault. Those people that brought me to you made this decision. Now, it's easy enough to think, oh, well, that's just, that was the bad apple, a generation of Jews right there. No. That's me. That's you. That's us. That's the world that brought Jesus to this place. They are at fault. They, they are sinners. But here's, remember why I told you why I was born. For this reason, for this truth, so that this could play out. Here's why I was sent. Verse 12, from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover... About the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold, your king. We're getting somewhere, I promise. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And they said, We have no king. But Caesar, these are the Jews, saying, the only person that we revere as king is Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. 
verse 19, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and in Latin. Really, what Pilate's doing there, let me, let me stop for a second. Pilate has to give a reason. He's a government official. He can't just act the way that he wants to act, like I said before. He's beholden to the law. So he has to give a reason why this man can be put to death. So he has him write this sign in Hebrew, in Greek, in Latin, so that anybody around can see this and know why is this guy being crucified? What sin has he committed? What did he do that was wrong? So he writes on there, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to the Pilots, don't write that. He's not the, no, no, don't write that. Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. See, Pilate, you're, now you're taking things too far. Because you're actually writing that he is the king of the Jews. You're trying to acknowledge the fact that, uh, I don't know, Spoken or unspoken, consciously or subconsciously, he is the king. And we don't want that. It's not the fact that he is or he isn't. It's that he said he was, and we don't believe him. That's why he deserves to die. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. I want to read you one more passage. It's in Philippians chapter 2. I'll start at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Being found in fashion as a man. So he, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. He was in heaven, he came down from above. Jesus found himself in fashion as a man. So, he was not always in fashion as a man. He wasn't always existent in the flesh. But once he became aware of the fact that he is in the flesh, I am a man created here, found in fashion as a man, he made himself obedient unto death. Because that's, what's, that's what happens to men. Men die. So now that I know I'm found in fashion as a man... I'm going to allow this thing that happens to men called death. Even the death of the cross. 
verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Won't you stand with me? The Lord brought this back to my mind from a few weeks ago. I shared it at the time that I felt like he had given me a very specific word. It said, everyone must acknowledge him as king. And this passage to me represents that because every knee bowing, you only bow to your king, to your Lord, to, the, to somebody that you're making yourself servant to, subject to. So every knee must bow. But the other part of that that he said was, but not everyone will revere me as king. And then he took me through that setting with the chief priests and the Pharisees and the crucifixion. He's not our king. Don't write that he's the king of the Jews. We have no king but Caesar. So we see not everyone will reverence him as king. What I believe we have the opportunity today to do is to reverence him as king. Why don't we take a moment and do that? Oh, Father, you are the king. Lord Jesus Christ, you robed yourself in flesh. You made yourself obedient to death to take away my sin. You are the king, Lord Jesus, the king of all kings. Lord, I'm making the choice right now. It's of my own volition to acknowledge you as my king. I lay my life down, Lord Jesus. I lay my life down, Lord Jesus. If you want to come find a place to pray at the front, this altar is open. I lay my life down, Lord Jesus. I make myself subservient to you. You are my king, and I acknowledge you as such today. I give my life to you today, Jesus. I give my life to you today, Jesus. I want you to reign in my life, Lord Jesus. God, I want every decision to be under your authority. I want it to be made by you, to be pleasing to you. I give my life to you right now, Jesus. I thank you, God, for taking my place, for dying for my sins. I thank you, Lord, for proving yourself to me who you are. Come on, let's take some time. Let's pray.
an element of where the Lord is speaking very distinctly and very clearly if we're listening with our spirit as I was praying here the Holy Ghost took my mind back through the last several weeks and the beauty is we record things so if you want to verify this you can go back and listen I guess a few weeks ago We taught on the kingdom and what it meant when we pray, thy kingdom come. It meant that he was going to be the one on the throne and he was going to be the one with dominion. The king's dominion, that's the kingdom. The kingdom is where the king has dominion. That's where we get our word kingdom from. If he does not have dominion, that's authority to rule and reign. If he does not have dominion in my life, he is not my king. If he does not have the authority to rule and reign in my life, to tell me what to do and what not to do, if I'm still making my own choices, living my life my own way, he's not my king. We don't get it both ways. He's not my king. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. He made this statement. He said, don't say, oh, over here, speaking geographically, or over there is the kingdom of God. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. What does that mean it's within you? Well, when I choose to let him have the throne of my heart, the throne of my life, the throne of my mind, when I give him rule and reign in every area of my life, he is king. He has dominion within me. This is the desire of God. You may remember last week, even in the service, there was a prompting before Sister Schoonover ministered about Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. His earthly king died. He finally saw the Lord in his rightful place, high and lifted up. For the Lord to be king in our life, our earthly kings have to die. Anything that has priority in our life, anything that dictates direction in our life, above Him dictating direction in our life, 
You understand, the Lord is reaching to us. He's wanting to be king in every area of our lives. And when we submit that to him and allow him to be, I promise you, he is a king that is good. What he does is right. When he rules and reigns in my life and in yours, he makes far better choices for me than I can make for myself. And then we can go and live and walk day by day and we're now walking and abiding under his authority in his kingdom. And wherever we go, the kingdom of God goes. And when we now speak and work and do as the king instructs us to do, the king begins to manifest his glory, his power, and people glorify him, not us. This is the desire of the king. It's what he wants to do. And so the only way he can work through us is if we settle the king issue. Because if he's not on the throne of our heart and then he tries to work through us to do great and mighty things to where we become witnesses of his resurrection, the power of God, he knows that if he's not the king of our heart, we'll take credit. We'll take the glory. But if we can acknowledge, they did hear Peter's words, don't look on us as though we by our own power did this. They had settled who king was. And so his power and authority was operating through their lives. And they were simply the vessel. I I felt the, the cutting of the word, if I can say it. The scripture says in Hebrews 4 and 12 that the word of God is quick and powerful. That it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And that it pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. And the joints and the marrow. And that it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Do you hear those very religious people saying, We have no king but Caesar. Very religious. They knew the word. They were finding fault with Jesus because of the word and the law. And out of their own mouths they declared, We have no king but Caesar. Why would they say that? Did they really see Caesar as their king? I don't think so. I believe the reason they declared that is because they had a kingdom they'd already built. It was their religious tradition and they were high priests and they had position. They had place. It was something they'd built. And he was a threat to what they'd built. Because he was turning people from following the traditions of the law to this one who said he'd come to fulfill the law. He was a threat to their kingdom they'd built in religious tradition. And so they said, we'll say whatever we have to so that we can stay on the throne of our kingdom. And so they were willing to declare Caesar's our king. That means maybe we can get his law to work for us to protect our kingdom. 
I want him to be king in my life, don't you? We used to sing a song, if you're not Lord of everything, then you're not Lord at all. I want him to be king. Why? Well, that's his rightful place, first of all. But I also want him to be king because I want his authority operating through my life. I want to see his word fulfilled. I believe I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. I've seen it before. I'm going to see it again. Amen. I believe these things. And you as a spirit-filled child of God, if you and I are a child of the king and we settle the issue of king, you are going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You are going to pray for the addict and they will be delivered. You are going to speak a word of faith and somebody that is bound will be set free. That's the work of the kingdom. That's the work of the kingdom. Some of you are just listening with your ears, but I feel the Holy Ghost. There's some of you here this morning. This is getting right into your spirit. And don't you dare let the enemy take it back out. You lay hold on that. God is speaking to you. You are designed to be a part of the kingdom and to walk in the authority of the king once you settle this issue. Amen. Come on, let's praise him one more time before we go. Why don't we stand together? Give the Lord thanks. Jesus, we magnify you. You are king. Let it not just be the word of my lips, but I pray the declaration of my life that it's not even my life, it's yours. For you have bought us with a price. Therefore, we will glorify you in our body and in our spirit, which are yours. I pray be king, king of our mind, king of our heart, king of our spirit, king of our thoughts, king of our words. Rule and reign in authority and dominion, Father. In the name of Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your kingship, your authority today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. May the Lord bless you today. May he use you today and in the days ahead. I told Brother Flowers yesterday afternoon out here cutting grass, and I, I told, I've been telling everybody this. You're gonna, I'm just really going to tell everybody right now. I believe with every fiber of my spirit that now, now is the time for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now is the time for the miraculous to be happening through you and I wherever we go. Now is the time. Now. You say, how do I know? There will be a door of opportunity. And here's why they prayed. God, give us boldness that we may speak. Because they were as human as you and I. And the enemy wants to intimidate us so we won't speak. Man, that person said, I'm sick. Do I have the boldness to say, you know what? The very Jesus that lives in me can heal you. Can I pray for you right now? And you say, oh, I don't know. I, you know, that's awkward. That's, they were as human as us. So they prayed, give us boldness that will speak. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to lay hands on some sick person 
You don't have to feel some great thing. The king that's in you, you'll just say in the name of Jesus according to your word. I pray by the name and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Heal their body. And as you yield to his authority and speak the word of God in faith and declare the name and the authority of the name in faith, God will do the work. And the person will ask you, what just happened? What did you just do? And you say, I didn't do anything. What you just witnessed was the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him. Because he doesn't heal so you and I can show off. He heals so that we can give witness to his resurrection. So that we can tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can come to know him in the power of his resurrection. He did the miracles through the body so that people could tell them about him. Now is the time for the miraculous. Now is the time for healing. Now is the hour. I charge you in the Holy Ghost, go and do what he's called us to do. God, give us boldness. God, give us boldness that we would speak. Give us boldness that we would speak. Give us boldness that we would act according to the leading of your spirit. Give us boldness, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the boldness and the authority of the king come upon us. Let the boldness and the authority of your kingship come upon us. In the name of Jesus, I pray, without the fear or favor of men, but a boldness and a confidence in who we are in you as children of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Praise God. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. I pray you hold on to that faith that he put in your spirit right then. Hallelujah.